Joining me today is Locked On Pac-12 host Spencer McLaughlin to talk about Kenny Dillingham, the coaching staff, the transfers, and the recruiting, and everything good going on at Arizona State Sun Devils football right now. Let's go ahead and hop into it on this edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Our Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Richie Bradshaw, and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. As always, thank you guys for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, you can get this podcast free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you want to see us in a visual platform. Wherever you're getting your podcast, though, make sure you hit like and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you get an update whenever we post new content. You can stay in touch with that content by following me on Twitter, you can find me at RichieBrads36. You can find the podcast at LO underscore Sundals. And Spencer, my good friend from Locked On Pac-12 and Locked On Ducks, where can the good people find you? At Smalls underscore 55 on Twitter and at Locked On Ducks and at LO underscore Pac-12. Both shows like Richie's on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And man, it's good to be back on with you as always, man. What a fun time to cover college football. It is a very exciting time to cover college football. It's even more exciting to be an Arizona State fan right now. Before we get started, this episode of Locked on Sundals is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's Pac-12 matchups as we get ready to head into Pac-12 conference play right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. Spencer, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Kenny Dillingham experiment that is officially coming down to Arizona State. I'm really, really excited about it. And with you being a Ducks fan and supporter, you would know pretty well about Dillingham. So I'm going to turn it over to you real quick. What are your thoughts about Dillingham being a head coach for Arizona State? I, I, I think it's a, a risky move, but one that can certainly pay off. And I think the risk is twofold. And I'm not all negative on the Kenny Dillingham front. The early recruiting turns returns seem to be pretty good specifically in the transfer portal which we'll, we'll get to later but number one anytime you hire a young head coach who's never been a head coach and hasn't been right. a coordinator for that long there's an element of unknown and that was true with Dan Lanning by the way and for what it's worth Oregon fans went through some growing pains this year with Dan Lanning kind of learning on the job about being a head coach do you always need to be aggressive going for it deep in your own territory? Is there, you know, game management issues? Is there, you know, there, there's little stuff like that that you have to be prepared for. And, and we went through that with Dillingham as well, right? As the offensive coordinator, he did so many great things, right? And the offense over, you know, 40 points a game most of the year. I think they were over 40 points in all but two, um, all, all, all but two or three, all but three um conference games against Pac-12 foes and the last three you know you had 34 against Washington and lost and then Bonix was hurt Bonix was hurt again still put up 34 points so he, he did a phenomenal job calling the offense but there were some growing pains and there were moments where Oregon got down into the red zone and they didn't execute very well Kenny Dillingham would get too cute with his play calling they didn't have as high a red zone percentage early in the year as they needed to. And I think that, you know, somewhat reared its head further down the line, but you know, there were some adjustments made some improvements, but still, I feel like they were working out some kinks in that front, but th that's the inherent risk. Generally speaking, when you hire a young head coach is even though these guys 
are are very smart, very capable, very driven. They're still going to have to learn some things. And I think Arizona State fans need to be prepared for that. Here's the second component why I think this is a, a potentially risky hire, though I do think there is a chance for success as well. Arizona State is someone or is, is, is a program, if a program were a person, would be someone that is undergoing basically a full teardown and rebuild. Yes. And and you're you're trusting that in the hands of a guy who's been a play caller once and has been an OC for I think four seasons. I think it was one at Auburn, maybe one at Memphis, and then a couple at Florida State somewhere in there. Five, you know, it's not very long. And he's 32 years old. He's the youngest power five head coach in college football. Correct me if I'm wrong, Richie. ASU still doesn't have the the the, the results of the sanctions investigation and what's going to surmise there it feels at least from the outset like a program a little bit in chaos and he's you know just by way of being hired provides some stability on that front but i thought they would go more in a ceo experience head coach direction who's seen a thing or two knows how to handle it how do you manage people within the building because of that NCAA investigation looming. So I was pretty surprised by the hire. I totally see the logic for it. And I, you know, completely understand that Kenny Dillingham was going to be a head coach one day, one way or the other. So I think ASU wanted to strike the iron while it was hot because they felt, well, if we don't hire him now, he might get hired by another program in a year or two. And that is probably true, but that doesn't mean seeing as that he's a graduate you couldn't have gotten him back to Arizona State if you'd hired like, I don't know, Paul Christ or, or somebody who, you know, was there for three or four years. But they wanted Dillingham now. They they've got him. And I think there's there there are some very real challenges to that hire, but I do think there's very real upside to it as well. No, a hundred percent. I think that's something really important to remember because I've been like hopelessly optimistic about this because I, as as much as I have tried to stay unbiased it's been very hard to not be incredibly excited about the potential that dillingham is bringing you but it is important to realize that there's a lot of things that are stacked up against him like you said he's only really a one-time play caller he's been an offensive coordinator for a while but he really hasn't had a ton of like hands-on experience he's 32 years old he's never been a head coach before this is still a program that's waiting for the sanctions to be passed down there's a lot stacked up against him and expecting immediate success is like probably not fair to do, even though I'm having a hard time not doing that because I feel like he's going to be able to rally everything and whatnot. But the expectation should be for him to take a couple of years to really get invested into the program and get everything turned around. It's not going to be immediate success. And I'm just curious from your opinion as a Ducks fan, do you think, and this this is probably a little off topic, do you think he mailed it in against Oregon State and was just already thinking about ASU? Because I know a lot of Ducks fans were saying like, oh man, that explains why our play calling was so bad and this, that, and the other. I'm just curious from your, like, your perspective as a fan more than anything. What was the final score of that game, Richie? Uh, what was it, like 34-31 or something like that? 37-34. to 34. There it is. I... Missed it by. Th- I have this points. message very clear on my Locked On Docs podcast because there were people who expressed that frustration. Yeah, and I said, first of all, we hired Dan Lanning 
and we knew going into the college football playoff, he was going to be our head coach. Georgia still won the national championship. That's the first thing. The second thing is the offense put up 34 points. In no world should it ever be the offense's fault. Could they have done some things better? Did they right. lack some fine, tiny little details that maybe got overlooked because he was you know, getting ready to go to Arizona State? Sure, maybe. But fundamentally, you put up 34 points, you, you got to win the football game. End of story. Full stop. Right there. Don't want to hear anything else. And people who were you know, on that train, I shut them down real quick because if you average 34 points a game in a season, you should win at least 10 football games. And Oregon's defense let them down against Washington and Oregon State in key spots. They weren't that far off from winning the game, but you put up 34 points in two out of three games and you lost two games. That's not on the offense. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds, trends, and every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season, basketball, and even the World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action happening right now at BetOnline where the game starts. And of course, guys, if you have not checked out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, make that your second listen of the day. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you're getting your podcasts. Spencer, it's not just about Kenny Dillingham. He's put together a pretty decent uh, coaching staff overall. Charlie Raggle coming down from Idaho State as the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. Bo Baldwin, the head coach from Cal Poly, coming down to be the offense coordinator. Sean Aguano, returning from the team as the interim head coach from last year, back to his spot as the running backs coach. Another notable hire was Vince Amy as the defensive line coach. He was with the Sun Devils during their Rose Bowl run back in 96. But perhaps the biggest assistant coach hire, in my opinion at least, and a name that you are going to be very familiar with covering the Pac-12 is Brian Ward, the defensive coordinator for the team, taking over the same role that he had previously with Wazoo. I want to talk specifically about Brian Ward for a second. Now, Spencer, let, let's be honest. You're the expert when it comes to the Pac-12. That's the reason they're paying you the big bucks. <laughs> Tell me about Brian Ward. Tell the good people about Brian Ward. If these are the big bucks, then I need to strive for the mega bucks. Um, I, I will yell at Zach for you. Don't worry. Thank you very much. I appreciate that on, on my behalf. So I, I think this is a great hire and a surprising one, too, because yes. Washington State, you know, under Jake Dickert has really felt like a program that was going like this. And now their momentum has kind of stopped. You know, they, they lose a couple players to to the portal in the NFL, to John Stribling, Dan Hemley, and and now they've lost both their coordinators. And I, I really didn't see this one coming, Richie, because Brian Ward was a defensive play caller for a really good, really nasty Washington State defense this year. And, you know, when Mike Leach was up there, they built their identity on the air raid, on that side of the ball, on being just we're going to outscore you because that's what Mike Leach was, RIP. And by the way, Rest I'd be remiss if I did not uh, 
mention his famous quote with Arizona State. Well, you know, what sort of mythical powers does the Sun Devil have? Maybe we We can, uh, you know, maybe we can get the Harry Potter people to look at that. I don't know. I think, but, you know, a Bruin, that'd be like outstanding. Um, He shut down a Wildcat immediately. Oh, yeah. Argument. (laughs) And I loved that to pieces. (laughs) Yeah. The Beavers and the Ducks, they didn't have a chance either. Well, Beaver and a Duck, I don't think they're going to have any chance. Um, that's the best Mike Leach impression that that I've got, but um, and it, yeah, it was eh, yeah. I, I do it again. My I, eyes. I've got I've got I've got better voices. Let's just say, but anyway. <laughs> so I I think that with Brian Ward, you're taking someone who comes from a high level defensive staff at a place that is difficult to recruit, meaning he has to have that X's and O's prowess, right? Trent Bray at Oregon State is in this category as well. Oregon State, Washington State, two of the hardest places to recruit in the country at the Power Five level, let alone compared to other places in the Pac-12. Heck, I, th- I think in theory, it should be easier to recruit at ASU than Washington State. I, I don't think that should be particularly close. So I, I think he'll you know, see more talent in his backyard, close to home, you're close to California, you're closer to Texas. But at the very least, what you're bringing in is someone who learned under a really good defensive-minded head coach in, in Jake Dickert and a guy who was the play caller in a defense that – you know, it, it was just better than it should have been. It, it, it really was. And anytime you have that, I, I think it's a really, really good hire. And, it, you know, what he's going to be able to do on the recruiting trail, I, I think that's, you know, remains to be seen because you don't really know how well a guy can recruit because Washington State doesn't bring in high-level classes and high-level players, but I think he's going to have access to a lot more. Certainly, you know, you can get more kids in the portal, as we're going to talk about in, in a little while here at Arizona state than you can at Washington state, because would you rather go to college in Tempe or Pullman? No offense, right. Pullman, but the answer is Tempe. So I, I think that's, you know, what makes this such an interesting hire on the one hand, but from a schematic perspective, you know, Arizona state's offense had some, or defense had some rough moments this year. A few. He may <laughs> per drive. <laughs> the honesty there. Um, <laughs> He he brings an upgrade in that department. You can't you can't argue that. And uh, I, I was really really surprised that that hire got made because it's because it's it's kind of a lateral move, right? Eric Morris, the OC who came in with Cam Ward last year to Washington State, he is now going to North Texas to be the head coach. Well, that's an upgrade and move because you are a head coach. Brian Ward is making a lateral move. What that says to me is he buys what Kenny Dillingham is selling right now. And that in addition to what he brings as a defensive play caller for an offensive-minded head coach, I, I think makes this a really good hire. Yeah, I of all the hires that they made, and I was pretty excited about the building of the staff. I thought that they did a really good job. We'll jump into why I think that in just a second. But I think that Brian Ward's hiring as the defensive coordinator might have been one of their best moves. The dude is definitely proven – with a pretty solid track record, especially with what he just did at Wazoo. Uh, I like how you mentioned that during Leach's era, the defense was definitely like the last thing on the mind for the Washington State Cougars. But now you look at that team, and that almost feels like their identity to go along with an offense that can put up some points. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and Jake Dickert deserves a lot of credit for that because you take on the identity of your head coach, no matter 
what side of the ball or what position group specifically he comes from. Dickert, defensive head coach, has now flipped Washington State into a defensively led team. You know, when Mario Cristobal was at Oregon, I wouldn't say they were, you know, an offensively or defensively driven team. I think they were driven by playing in the trenches, specifically on the offensive line, because that's where Coach Cristobal played when when he was at Miami. And and then he brought in defensive linemen, the likes of Kayvon Thibodeau, because he knows what it means to be that impactful in, in front. Um, I, I wonder what your dog thinks about all this sort of stuff. But I have um, no idea. She's going crazy. Yeah, I know. Going absolutely <laughs> nuts. Well, she's she got a little camera shot right there, which is which is okay with me. But you know, I, I think your your team takes on the identity of your coach. And so with a hire like this, I, I do wonder, you know. What's Arizona State going to look like? How do they want to win football games? Because every every coach has got their own idea of, you know, what it takes to win a football game or how that should look. Mike Leach, we're going to throw the ball a lot. We're going to score a lot of points, and we need our defense to just, you know, do do barely enough, right? Chip Kelly, same thing, but more ground oriented, right? Lincoln Riley has, you know, got a lot of those Mike Leach traits in in his offensive approach, and it's the same sort of thing, right? We're just going to outscore you, so. I, I think having a guy like Brian Ward allows the potential for Arizona State to be multiple because you have a good offensive mind as your head coach, and now you have a good defensive mind on on that side of the ball. Yes, 100%. Now, I want to flip it real quick to the other side of the ball. Before we get that far, one more time, make sure that for your second listen of the day, you're going and making it the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes or less. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders locked on sports today podcast available on YouTube and wherever you're getting your podcasts. Now looking at the rest of this roster or uh, coaching staff, there is something very common with the guys that they brought in guys like Jason Mons, who was recently brought in to be the tight ends coach has a lot of history with Arizona State High School. Same with the offensive coordinator that they brought in, or not the offensive coordinator. Wait, yes, uh, uh, Bo Baldwin has experience. Or is it Charlie Raggle? It's Charlie Raggle. I am driving myself crazy. Lots it's a hectic time for everybody, yes. Richie. Recruiting is nuts. My name, I, I, I tweeted out yesterday to, to Oregon fans something about, um, uh, about someone named Kyle Bowen who is a uh, mid-major basketball player at St. Mary's when Peyton Bowen is the safety whose recruitment has been all over the place. I didn't even realize, I didn't even realize it either. I was just like, Oh yeah, Kyle Bowen. Cause I had that name in my head. It happens, man. It totally happens. Much appreciated. I did that the other day uh, off topic, five-star quarterback, uh, Dylan Rayola decommitted from the Ohio state. He's a Valley kid. And I was like, man, we should go after Dominic Rayola. And everyone was like, dude, that's his dad. He played a long time ago. I was like, oh, D. Rayola, I, come on, give me a break. But that's why we love the people. That's that's yes. what that's part of what they're there for is to send us messages. I've gotten countless messages from people who say, hey, just so you know, I'm not being rude about it. Just like, hey, just so you know, you said this, but this is actually correct. Like, oh, crap, right. This is why when you do like national sports talk radio shows, you know, like Colin Coward, they've got entire staffs, right? And even they still get it wrong sometimes. Yes. A, lot of, a lot of stuff out there. But anyway, yeah. Richie, we, dig- you big we, we digress. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> There's a lot of Arizona 
related guys that are coming back to the staff. One of the things that Dillingham brought up in his press conference was hashtag activate the Valley. I'm sure you've seen that trending on Twitter. This is, this is Dillingham's goal was to reinvent Arizona state as a state school and recruiting its own talent. Because one of the things that the Herm Edwards era failed to do, particularly with Antonio Pierce, who was their head recruiter, was they did not recruit in their own backyard. And Spencer, there's a lot of talented high school football players in Arizona. It, it was a shame and a travesty that so many of these kids would straight up tell you like, yeah, I didn't even get an offer from Arizona State. But Spencer, I had you take a look at the transfers that are coming in. There are 15 transfers. Eight of them played high school football at Arizona State or uh, played, played football in the state of Arizona. They are recruiting, re-recruiting these kids who have come home and are excited to come home. What do you think about that aspect before we dive further into the rest of the moves that they've made? Well, it's essential. I mean, you don't go three and nine with a lot of talent on your roster. It, right. it just doesn't happen. Now, Washington last year went four and eight with way more talent than four and eight on their roster. But most of the time, if you're not a you know semi blue blood like that, you go three and nine because you just haven't recruited very well. You just don't have the guys. You, you don't have enough quality offensive linemen. You don't have a playmaker in the secondary. You don't have a high-level pass rusher. You don't have a run stuffer who can make a play when you need to on third and three, and your defense has to get off the field. And so I, I think what Kenny Dillingham is doing is is really encouraging for Arizona State because last year they finished outside the top 100 in recruiting, which is, as a friend of mine who went to Arizona State put, sickening. It, it, it is, it is, it is really sickening. It is unacceptable and ridiculous. And I mean, I'm sure the sanctions are a big part of that. Okay. But the final ruling hasn't come down, Richie and Kenny Dillingham's doing a lot better than they did a year ago. And I think that's telling that it was time to make a change And Arizona state fans. I know uh, agree with that sentiment. And so I look at where they're currently sitting in the composite rankings nationally, according to 24 seven from the prep ranks. And it's 60th. And that is, you know, nothing to to bat your eyelashes at. But that's a jump of about 40 spots from where they were a year ago. And there's still time to finish out the 2023 recruiting class. We've still got a couple months to go. And then you look at how many transfers they're bringing in. And that is arguably even more encouraging. Because the portal can do so much for teams so yeah, quickly yeah. nowadays. You can't have that be an advantage, though, unless you have at least somewhat of a good reputation as a program, but also if your coaching staff isn't able to sell a message that players buy into. And 15 transfers who are coming from real programs, right? I mean, these are not, you know, a bunch of FCS guys, a lot of Pac-12 transfers. You got a guy from Texas in there. There is one player from from Sacramento State, but I saw him play a little bit this year. Uh, Cameron uh, Cameron Scadabo. Yeah, like pre yes. pretty solid pretty solid player. Grades is a three-star transfer for a reason. But SC, BYU, Cal, Kansas State, a lot of different schools in there where you look at and go, those are rosters that bring in the sorts of players that we want to bring in and they didn't have a home anymore at that school and so we welcome them here so 
I, I think it's a great sign on, on both of those fronts, but particularly in the portal, just because of the volume. I, I mean, that's that's a lot of kids for a team that just went three and nine and hired a 32 year old head coach. It's a good spot to be. 100%. And that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, is, you know, like you said, this isn't like a bunch of FCS kids. Like, yes, Cameron Scadabo played at Sac State, but this dude is averaging seven and a half yards per carry, and he's a big bowling ball when he has the ability to, you know, get out in open space and whatnot. But they brought in, first of all, this is like Cal South now because we brought in like three Cal kids between offensive line, a long snapper, running back. We got all sorts of Cal. Long snapper, baby. Slater Zellers is the future of long snapping. (laughs) But one of the biggest bring-ins. I can't believe people listen to us sometimes. I know, but God bless them because – Someone, someone, you know what? No one has to listen to us, but they're choosing to. So we love you. Yes, we we do so much. Very much. One of the biggest transfer names on the portal ended up coming to Arizona state in the form of drew pine pine, not the biggest kid in the world. Uh, 24 seven sports has him listed at six foot one ninety four. I've seen him listed as five eleven or five ten. So he's, he's closer to me than he is Josh Allen, but He's he was a rock solid player for Notre Dame last year. Notre Dame starts off the year 0-2 with uh Tyler Buckner as their starter. Drew Pine takes over. They go eight and two the remainder of the way, eight and four for the season, bowl eligible, all that good stuff. He's coming to Arizona State. I know that a lot of people are saying this is this is Kenny Dillingham's bone nicks. We can calm down on that, first of all. But what are your thoughts on the quarterback competition now? with Pine coming home and potentially Trenton Bourget still being the guy. If this were the NFL, Richie, you know what we would call Drew Drew Pine? A good bridge quarterback. Exactly. And in college, there is arguably more value to that than in the NFL because in both instances – both leagues, you, you're trying to establish a culture with a bridge quarterback of winning a place where people want to go. In the NFL, you're trying to attract free agents. But what's more lucrative for your program, recruiting and the transfer portal or NFL free agency? The answer is the former, right? Right. It's more important. So at, at the college level, I think what Kenny Dillingham sees here is, I don't know how much eligibility he has remaining, but at the very least... Here's what he knows he's going to get from Drew Pine. Someone who has played against Power 5 teams. Someone who has won games against Power 5 teams. Someone who knows what it means to execute an offense, the work that goes into that, and knows how to play the quarterback position at a level that is at the very least capable capable of getting you some wins. I don't know if he's a guy that's going to give you, you know, a 9-10 win season, right? He's not going to be a turnaround sort of prospect. He could do that on a team that's loaded, right? Like Drew Pine at Oregon State, that's a 10-win team right there. Right. That, that, that is a 10-win team. But Drew Pine at Arizona State, yeah, probably not an 8-9 win guy by himself. We'll see how impactful all the other transfers and new recruits can be. But is he someone who could get you to like six wins, get yep. you back to a bowl game, right? Like if you're Arizona State, would you take six and six next year and win a bowl game to finish yes. seven and six? One hundred percent, right? And so Drew Pine, I see as a guy who can give you that. So if he can give you that, Rome is not built in a day. 
it takes time. And this is a full teardown at Arizona State, essentially. It's going to take some time. And you have to figure out, you know, what players do you want for the long term, right? True freshmen you bring in who you think in three years are going to be ready to pop and play two high-level years of college football. But you also need guys who can help get you there along the way. And I think Drew Pine is that for Arizona State. He's going to help get you there. He's not going to take you to the next level, back to a Pac-12 championship game. That, that's that's not the sort of player I think he is. But he is right. someone who can take you back to being competitive, to being more relevant, to get on the radar, make you a more appealing program for recruits, and win you some football games on Saturdays in the fall. And that's something that I want to leave this podcast off on, something that I want to touch on because I've seen some comments on YouTube and on Twitter about this is some people are saying, you know, they're not blown away with the results so far because it's, quote, a lot of three stars. What we need to realize is this team needs three stars right now. This is a this is a team that is reloading its image. You have now over 30 players in the last two years enter the transfer portal. You have had basically a brand new facelift for both sides of the football, special teams included. And this this is just a brand new team all in all. It, it's new coaching staff. It's it's completely new. So I'm, I'm sorry we're not getting five stars. That's not going to be immediate success. I'm sorry we're not getting a ton of four stars. That's not going to be immediate for the team. That's in the future. So these three stars are going to be the building blocks for the team, whether it's through the transfer portal three stars or it's recruiting three stars. But building up this team and rebuilding the culture is incredibly important right now for an Arizona State team that is going to be going through a rebuilding. I Like I said many a times, uh, both on your show and my show, like I am a little hopelessly optimistic when it comes to Kenny Dillingham. And I, I have to remind myself that at times this is, this is a team that's not going to be competing for the PAC 12 immediately. You know, it's, it's, it's not like Lincoln Riley taking over USC. It's not that easy, but this is a team that, like you said, could get back to that six wins and bowl eligibility in year one. And that's massive for a team that just won three games. I, I completely agree. And it's not the easiest message for fans to hear, but it, it it's the reality. And getting your expectations, you know, out over your skis is going to cause you to take an emotional tumble, right? And so I, I do think it is very fair. I mean very fair as an ASU fan to expect you win more than three games in 2022. Like if they win three or fewer games, that's a disappointing year. You should win more than three. But can you go from three to eight or nine wins? At Arizona State, the answer is probably not. If they do, then Dillingham will get an extension after after next year because that would be a pretty remarkable turnaround. But I, I think realistically they can be a five to seven win regular season team next year depending on their schedule. They'll, of course, have just a – horrendous blowout loss to Oregon. You know, I think final score probably we're looking at the over under of uh, points for Oregon, like 100, 120, I think real realistically, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to be about 100, 120 to, to 15, maybe I'm being facetious for those of you who can't, who can't figure that out. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just trying to, to, to rub, oh, no, Richie, I believe you. rub I believe Richie you. the wrong way a little bit. <laughs> nope. no, I, I, I don't, th- I don't think Oregon will be, you know, that 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 good but i am intrigued by the matchup right because 
Dan knows a lot about how Dillingham wants to set up an offense, what he wants to do. I'm always curious that sort of stuff. It was only for a year that they were together at Oregon, but I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And and I think if Arizona State, I don't think you're, you know, at this point in the recruiting process, over the moon, jumping for joy. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. I think you're sitting there at a solid seven out of ten. Good place to be. Yep. Very good place to I, be. I think you're a good place to be optimistic going forward. Spencer, thank you so much for your time. One more time, where can the people find all of your content? I am at smalls underscore 55 on Twitter, and I host Locked on Ducks and Locked on Pack 12 Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you ever want to send me a note or a question, YouTube comments on there or my Twitter handle, always available. Love talking to all of you out there and love talking with you too, my guy. Much appreciated. Number one friend of the podcast, Spencer McLaughlin. This has been Richie Bradshaw from the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Until next time, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Devils.